and welcome into the Upper Left Performance Podcast. I am your host, Jack Anderson, and today on the show, we have Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo is a former NFL player who spent 15 seasons in the league playing a variety of positions for the Ravens, Redskins, Cardinals, Raiders, and most recently with the Buffalo Bills, where he was a Pro Bowl selection. Uh, Lorenzo and I go way back to when I was a young kid in the media in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, I, I was able to interview uh, Lorenzo a couple of times when he was playing for the Redskins. And then uh, by some weird twist of fate, when I was interning for the Buffalo Bills while getting my master's degree at Canisius College, I was fortunate enough to run into Lorenzo again. He was signed about a month after I started there. And we hit it off there as well. Lorenzo is one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the league. Um, always looking out for, for people around him. And, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to bring him on today. Because as he has you know, begun his retirement, he's spending some time preparing to become a strength and conditioning coach himself. Uh, the relationships that he had with myself and other members of the strength and conditioning staff were very strong. And I wanted to get his take on the relationships that strength and conditioning coaches have with athletes. Uh, what we can do uh, to make the professional experience better for players and the process of self-discovery that an athlete has to go through in order to kind of come to grips with his situation and how to, how to improve it uh, at the professional level. Lorenzo uh, brought a world of knowledge and expertise to these topics. Um, I was really, really thrilled to be able to bring him on. I hadn't talked to him for, for about a year, I would say. Um, and we hit it off and really delve deep into some topics that I think are very important that we don't often consider, uh, that namely being the athlete's perspective um, in training. So without further ado, here is Lorenzo. Enjoy. Lorenzo, thanks a lot, man, for, for joining the show. It's crazy. I was thinking about this when I was going over stuff we want, I wanted to talk about with you. I think I've known you since like 2012, no, 2010, 2009, something like that. When you were back yeah. in D.C. D.C., yeah. And I was a, a little reporter, terrified of going to the locker room. <laughs> 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 Times have changed a little bit, so. Right. Um, uh, but, yeah, so I, I really wanted to honestly have you give your background a little bit before we dive in. I think your story is one that's really fascinating, especially for people on the strength and conditioning side of things, just kind of yeah. some of the changes you've had to undergo and how you've adapted throughout your career to kind of, kind of get where you are. So, I mean, honestly, if you want to even yeah. start from like college and then getting into the league and, and all that, go for it, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's crazy as you say, and it's a lot to kind of, you know, to even describe, um, but I'll kind of give you a broad brush uh, as far as how I've changed from a, a body type and mentality over my years and, and uh, as you say, in college, I really didn't have any, you know, looking back, didn't even really have any true understanding of what it really meant to take care of your body uh, from a nutrition standpoint to a training standpoint uh, to a recovery. Um, and I really was just operating off of just straight talent and then just doing what everybody else was doing, you know, following the plan, whether our D-line coach was doing or our strength department. Um, really wasn't looking to uh, create any type of program that was just based for me. And, and I wasn't even really disciplined enough just from a maturity standpoint to follow anything um, to make sure that it was beneficial. So, you know, I would do the, the workout. I would do our extra workouts with our coaches. Uh, but when I got home or got to the dorm room, I would eat the way I wanted to. I would drink a lot. Um, I would party all the time. And so I was really 
just staying in one place are probably even getting worse. If you looked at my habits over the length of time, as far as sleep, nutrition, and, and partying, it really didn't really add up to me being the best uh, football player I could be at the time and really uh, me even achieving my dream of, of going to the NFL. And ultimately, as I look back in hindsight, that's why I probably didn't get drafted because I wasn't doing everything I needed to do to, op to, to optimize the opportunity that I had. Um, and a lot of that was just because I was talented, had gotten a scholarship offer when I was a sophomore in high school. And so you develop these habits like I'm doing well and I'm and I'm living like this and operating like this and didn't really have the foresight and really didn't have anybody telling me either. Hey, you may want to tighten up so that you can achieve it. I had friends that were doing it, but they never really just kind of reached outside of themselves to really like pull me along. And I think that's kind of just like a quick sidebar why I'm so adamant about being intentional about teammates that I see that may be on a path that's not leading them to where they say they want to be. Um, but kind of back on my story, obviously I go undrafted in 2005, uh, the Carolina Panthers. And at this time I was probably like 300, 305 D tackle. Um, I would eventually get up to about 315 because during that time where I was coming out in that era of football and, and sport, especially at three technique, the concept was, Bigger is better. Um, you know, you had guys like Vince Wilfork and Sam, Sam Adams playing the D-tackle spot. And for me, that didn't make any sense as I look back because I was, I was 315 pounds. I was strong, but I also wasn't very efficient because I had a lot of extra body fat that I really didn't need, that didn't optimize my ability to, to play at a high level. I mean, just imagine 6'2". Those guys are more like, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". 350, I'm 6'2", and I was just, to be honest, if I was to be honest, I was, I was fat and out of shape. And that's why, <laughs> even as I am now, I fight against going back to what I used to be because it's very easy for me to do it uh, because it's in there. It's genetically in there somewhere. So if I eat bad, I know I can gain 20 pounds in, in a couple of weeks if I really <laughs> wanted to. Right? Yeah. So, I, um, you know, kind of out of that, uh, being undrafted, bouncing around a little bit, and then finding uh, a home in um, Washington on practice squad and then eventually making the roster, I developed a niche of being this utility-style player. I was still big because I was doing offensive line, guard, tight end, big fullback down the goal line with Mike Sellers behind me, playing defensive tackle. I was, I was in the wedge. Um, on kickoff return and so those were things that you still had to do and you know and I could still be big and still have my bad habits it really wasn't until around 2009 I believe 2008 I can't remember when we got um who came in uh was it Zorn Zorn was there and then we brought the tackle in from uh Tennessee Titans. Oh, the, oh, Hainsworth. <laughs> Hainsworth. There you go. Hainsworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so bring in Hainsworth, and I was already like a borderline player as far as how they used me. And then as a D tackle, I was always that fourth. And if we kept five guys, I was like that fourth, fifth guy, swing guy that could do a lot of things. And so once they brought him in, they moved me to defensive end. And uh, out of that, in order for me to play defensive end, I had to lose weight. Um, eventually, I would move away from the ball and go to outside linebacker when Shanahan got there. And then over that time, I even moved to inside linebacker. And so for me to, to be able to play those positions in a way that was going to allow me to play special teams, do all this additional running, I had to 
figure out a way to lose weight. So that's really when I started around 2009, 2010, really started kind of dialing into what did I need to do to optimize this opportunity? Um, because I already had been uh, undrafted. I had already been cut a couple of times. And so the humility was there for me to find any type of way in order to be able to continue to maximize this opportunity in NFL. Um, and so I got with a nutritionist, Chris Matthijs. He's out there in um, Northern Virginia, does a great job. Um, started working with Chris Gores. He was kind of around that area, 2010. He might've been 2011, a little bit later on, but just starting to find people that could really help me, give me direction and give me a plan that I could grasp onto. And I think the, the discipline and the determination to execute those plans came out of the failure of not being drafted and being cut a couple of times because I realized I was an edge player and if I wanted to continue to do this, um, I would have to dial in. And so the motivation was already naturally kind of built in just because of the situation I found myself in. Um, and so over the next really, you know, probably five to six years, probably from 2009 to 2012, 2013, really started losing, you know, 15 to 20 pounds every off season because I started moving away further and further away from the ball. Um, and I had to do it to be optimal. I remember one player, I, cause I used to be about 295 running down on kickoff, you know, 300, you know, yeah. 295 at the three technique back in the day when they had the wedge running through cats on puck return, holding guys up, then play defensive line. I remember this one game they had me, I don't know how I got out there, but I was out there covering Westbrook and he was running a screen <laughs> and I read the screen but then Donovan McNabb started running around, and then Westbrook turned it up on me. And obviously at 295, I could run, but I couldn't run with Westbrook. And I ended up pulling my hamstring. But in my mind, it was because of all the wear and tear, being 295, covering kicks, covering punts, holding guys up, trying to run with guys like Westbrook. And this didn't happen until week 15. And so that really put another thing in my mind. Man, I need to get more efficient. And how do you do that? You know, maintain your strength while you're losing body fat. Um, and so that even put another, uh, I think, caveat into that motivation because now I wanted to compete with the best, not just have an opportunity to play a position and be on the team, but I wanted to be able to be out there and run with a guy, you know, that was 20 pounds lighter than me or, you know, run with the best tight end. I wanted to be able to do these things so I could compete and be, the, and be one of the best. Um, and so started eating a lot better. Um, I probably was doing a keto diet in some form of fashion before it became a fad, <laughs> uh, you know, because I, you know, and obviously there's a lot of concepts and theories. You know, for me, you got to find what best works for your body. I mean, there's a, a, a million ways to skin a cat, but what works best for you? And for me, it was doing like a low, a low carb style diet that really my body responded to. And I was able to get those, those uh, gains strength wise, as well as cut the body fat um, over those off seasons where I made a huge difference. So I went from like 295 to 275, 275 to 255, 255 to 245. And then I got to a point to when I was about right, and then I got probably came in in one year, maybe like I just lost 10 pounds, 235, and ended up playing at 240. And I was really able to dial in where I was optimal at. And I probably had my best year when I was 240 in 2012 from a special team standpoint, where I had like 30 special teams tackles was an integral part of our third down packages and being able to back up London Fletcher, play outside backer, play a, a, a stand-up three technique. A lot of the same things I was doing in Buffalo that people have gotten about that I was doing in 2012. And so, <laughs> um, yeah. And then with all that, I talk about Chris Gores, who, who I might have interned with you or been around 
around the risk is Parker, you probably ran across. You know, yeah, being, um, I, I've heard his podcast and I've heard you guys on it before too. I really like him a lot. Yeah, yeah he's really good. And he was working at, uh, man, what was the name of that spot? It was, uh, I forgot the name of, uh, his, his new spot is called uh, Onyx, but he was working at like a 24-hour a fitness style gym oh, in, okay. in, yeah, yeah. in Virginia when I first met him. It wasn't 24-hour fitness, but it was a, that style of yeah, gym, yeah. right? And so actually my wife started working out with him first um, and he had knew I had pulled my hamstring a couple of times and through my wife, he kind of got to me. My wife was like, hey, I can work on my training says he can help you. And I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, Another guy, I think they can, you know, fix me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Everybody's that trying wants to, to jump on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that wants to jump on the bandwagon. And so, um, obviously, that offseason, I think, was the lockout, which was like, like around 2011. And I went to go train with somebody at first. Initially, they were way too expensive. And then we so just out of that, I ended up with him. And thank God I did. Uh, because Chris Gores is not only – uh, my, still my trainer, but is a brother, is a friend, and our families are really close. And I've learned so much from him. And then out of that kind of whole situation and that mindset, and some other things happened as well. I learned from my position, especially being an athlete, an elite athlete, never to get to a point of to where I think that somebody can't help me. Um, and so it kind of reminded me of when I got cut, having that humility in my life to allow people that may not have the accolades or the, you know, the notoriety quite yet that they have been training and, and trying to do things so that they can be prepared to help people like myself. Right. And so out of that, that relationship, I've definitely been more open and more receptive to people uh, coming into my life, speaking to my life and at least let me hear what they're saying and listen and then validate whether or not I think it can be helpful and not coming in with a prejudge, you know, kind of understanding of who they are. Uh, he's an intern. And so that's why I think by the time, you know, me and you work together, my, my relationship with somebody that was an intern trying to get on was a much different than early in my career. Like, man, this dude don't even know what he's talking about. He just interned. <laughs> he's here doing work. Right. And so um, all those little things, you know, I've tried to, you know, just adapt and, obviously with my body and nutrition, but then also from a, a maturity standpoint, from a relational and understanding, also allowing people to come in to help me. And by the end I was done, I probably had a team of six to 10 people, depending on what area of the country I was in, that was helping me from physical therapists, massage therapists, uh, strength coaches, um, everybody that played a part in allowing me to play 15 years in the NFL and be able to excel on the back end. Are you, so are you, um, seeing a lot of young players start to take this route sooner in their careers than before. You think this is becoming something that's like more like trending in the league, like this whole self-discovery taking, learning to take care of your body or is it still something that's like pretty lacking? Yeah, I think it is. We've definitely made it more of a transition to that. And I think it's more of a cultural thing from the NFL and just sports in general. Um, I think when I first got in the league and, and I was kind of at the, probably at the tail end, I'm kinda, I call myself the bridge guy from old school to new school. There was always a, a um, kind of an unwritten rule. You don't need to be in the training room. You know, you can't make the, 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 the club and the tub type of mentality. <laughs> and so guys were actually scared to go in there, even if they were just trying to do some preventative work or uh, ice or whatever, you know, get, give me some uh, glute bridges, give me some functional exercise so I can prevent my injuries. Um, and so I think that mentality has changed because you see a, a huge uh, – emergence of like sports science departments that are how do you work smarter 
not necessarily harder and trying to find a balance of all of that, those things in, in NFL locker rooms. I know that's trickled down all the way down to colleges and probably has high schools as well of just let's work smart, efficient so that our athletes aren't burnt out when they get out there. And then also if a guy wants to come in here and do some preventative work, so he doesn't miss games, that should be okay. Uh, let's not make him feel like he's soft or whatever in yeah. any certain type of way. If he's in the training room trying to get better, trying to stay healthy, or trying to work on some weaknesses that maybe the coaches or himself has identified. And so there's definitely been a shift in that. I still think it takes uh, some veteran leadership with some guys to kind of force them down that path. Because like I said earlier about myself, if you've had success doing something for so long, why would you want to change it just naturally, even though it may be better for you? Um, and so you, for me, and I think other guys in the locker room, you try to help those guys see the big picture, understanding that, yes, you've been a young man, you've been naturally talented, naturally gifted, way, way more than probably most of your talent. And so you haven't had to put out the same type of intensity or effort that's going to, once you get to the NFL level, you're going to have to do it every single play, which is obviously going to break you down a lot faster. And so that recovery process that you used to you cut that cut that down you know your ability to sustain now you got to do it for 16 weeks and, and include the possibility of getting cut and include the possibility of you know not getting paid and bouncing around so all those other factors that you have to put on to yourself now is going to impact your body and so yeah. you need to be doing xyz to help mitigate some of those things sleeping at night eating well uh doing prehab stuff so you don't build up all this accumulation of stress and then you tear an ACL or you pull a hamstring or whatever it may be that's going to set you back where you could have been on the front end of it and prevented it. Yeah, I, you know, my time at the Bills is really interesting. I thought, I thought a lot about it, especially I think the last month since we have time to think. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I remember, you know, one of the one of the bigger name players there would put a ton of work in, and then so, another one wouldn't so much. And it's obviously, again, we know that, that at the end of the day, talent is going to win out, um, and there isn't necessarily a right path for everyone. But like, I don't know. I feel like, especially for us as like strength and conditioning professionals, we we might have things to say to that athlete about their choices, right. but unless they're like, and you're you're the living testament to this, unless they're going to internalize it and and kind of go down that path on their own, like what we say, uh, I think a lot of times doesn't carry a lot of weight. I mean, would you agree with that? Um, maybe to a, if you don't have a relationship with the guy. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's where I think the strength staff, they have to figure out ways to build those relationships, especially with those guys that are ultra talented. Cause you said talent wins out. Yeah. It wins out, but only to a certain point. Cause at some point their body's going to break down and they don't yeah. have in that same type of work that maybe a less talented player has done. And so he doesn't suffer that injury. Um, he's able to go, uh, you know, 90% in the fourth quarter where that other guy's only able to go 85. And my 90% is better than that guy's 85. Whatever it may be, those incremental gains that you get over a period of time where talent eventually, you only can hit a certain type of ceiling where my work ethic has allowed me to, to outperform that guy now. And that's why a guy like me who is on a, at pure athletic, athletic scale, athleticism scale, you put me up against guys, I'm probably somewhere in the middle of the pack. You know, I'm not, not going to outrun you. I'm not going to outlift you. I can do some things well, but I think because of my work ethic that I've developed with the people helping me in my life, 
allowed me to surpass a lot of people that were drafted higher than me, that were more talented than me over the length of my career. Um, and I started listening to people, I think, wholeheartedly in the, in the weight room, the better relationships I had with them. So I even go back to um, uh, when I was with the 49 or not 49 as with the uh, the Redskins. It's okay. Uh, You've been Ray, on like every team. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talk about you talk about Ray Wright. I had a great relationship with him. Oh yeah. Um I I, I enjoyed the things that he brought. Um, you know, he was different than a lot of guys, but I, I enjoyed it because I had a good relationship with him. And when we talked, because he stretched me, you know, I think that kind of helps too. You know, you got it you stretch with. So when he talked to me, I was I was more receptive to to taking what he was giving me. Uh, when I was in uh, in Buffalo, I think the same thing happened with me and um, Jason Osvart, Will Greenberg. Yeah. I worked with those guys more intently because we had a great relationship. How and Eric were great too, but our relationship wasn't as defined as Will and Jason's. And so I, I would encourage strength coach, especially when you have a a player that is deemed the star or makes the most money and is almost surplanted in a leadership role because of that not because of anything else he does but just because he's a star player or he makes the most money which that concept in his in alone is broken but it, that's just how it happens right <laughs> yeah yeah and so i know jason like for example with um certain players or running backs that we've had come in there he will make it a point to build a relationship with them and out of that relationship the player may not Naturally, still want to work hard, but he's at least going to kind of show up for you because we still have those team concepts kind of built in. And so you almost build your mini team with that player, right? And you're able to get more out of him than another strength coach. And you can say the same exact thing, but because you've been stretching with him, maybe you, um, he forgot something at home and you wouldn't go pick it up for him. Just something simple, right? Nothing like, oh, you need to go do this, but you, you offer something, something small. You've helped him go do something. You went and got some cleats or whatever. And then you build this relationship from stretching and, and training every day. And then he figures out who you are. He can trust you. And then over time, you'll, you'll notice that you'll be able to get a lot more out of him when you guys work together versus him working with another strength coach on the staff or just with the players because you have a certain type of relationship with him where he, he knows you're looking out for him. You're trying to get the best from for him. And that's a, a lot of what happens because most guys – or a lot of guys I would say that don't work hard or or, or, or like to push back, they're not quite sure if you're in their corner or not. Um, they're not quite sure if you have their best interest. Are you just doing your job or do you really care about my well-being? And, yeah, I understand you have your job, you got things to do, and you're not there to babysit. But like with anything, the great ones are able to build great relationships within their um, community and within their framework and the people that they work with. And you get more out of people, just naturally. Yeah. Even with, with, I don't care what field you're in, linebacker room, strength room, uh, training room, equipment room, corporate America, wherever you go, if you're able to get people to buy in and build a relationship with you, you're able to get way more out of them because they feel like they're a part of something and then they also want to – they don't want to let you down because you're their friend, you know? Yeah. And it's not just, oh, he has me doing all this work. It's like, no, we're all working together. And, and I need to get this done. Uh, I need to get this done for Jack because I, I enjoy him. I know what he's out for. I know what he's looking out for. He wants the best for me and my family as well. So I got to get this work done. So those are the things I think strength coaches that are good. They understand that and they figure out a way, especially with those players that lack, but they're in leadership positions. They create those relationships. Yeah, that's, that's beautifully said too. Cause I think, um, 
uh, you just look at some of those guys and you could tell the walls are there when you initially start talking to them. But I feel like if you can even have that happen with one strength coach, like you said, you've built that little mini team, but that has a trickle down effect and younger right. players that are on the fringe that might feel the same way are going to open up a little more. Like, I think that's, that's massive, right? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. And, and obviously I think that's why it's important. And Sean has done a great job of this is, is identifying people that are going to do that. Cause he can't do that with everybody in Buffalo, Sean McDermott, the head coach there. So Obviously, you have Eric, you have Hal, you have Will, you have uh, Jason. I think Mark has moved on now, but you have those four. And they, everybody, you have to – sometimes you got to be even intentional about it, right? Even as, like, the head guy. Hey, Jason, I want you to take one, two, three, four, whatever those players, X, Y, Z players are, because I think you can connect with them. Connect with those dudes. Will, you do the same thing with these guys. I'm going to do these guys. And by you doing that, you just make your team – better because you identify those guys you build those relationships and then they they're working harder other guys see that oh i'm gonna work harder too and then you have your guys that are gonna grind no matter no what. matter it what don't matter yeah. you can no matter who's in there <laughs> yeah man all y'all can be out i'm gonna be i'm gonna I'm grind regardless and so but that's what i think probably needs to be done probably a little bit better and i think that world is starting to change because fifth coaches even like me i have to fight against this i'm not gonna babysit you man you should want this for yourself but you have to understand you're dealing with people and everybody's not necessarily wired like you. And you could be that somebody that that somebody was in your life that got you to that point. Cause most of us don't, don't wake up and get born and, and just are hard workers. I know I wasn't like that. It's something that I developed into over years mm -hmm. with people pouring into me and showing me the right way. And so it may not happen for that guy until he is in the NFL. Yeah. The money's good. Yeah. But we all know that money's not enough to make people happy or motivate people. When, when they have it. And so you have to build those relationships to be able to help them transcend their current circumstances of maybe not getting everything that they're talented, not getting all of that out of them. Yeah. And I, I like to think of it like we, we have like a tremendous, like it's really cool to think that we could teach someone something. Uh, yeah. But I like, I firmly believe like beyond that, you even look at some guys that, that are might be more closed off and everything. Not only are we, are we giving a relationship there, but I'm also hoping somehow we're causing and it sounds like this happened for you with the people you surround yourself with you're starting to think about processes and things that you've never thought about before you're starting to discover things that are useful for you and you're starting to make your process better through some of your failures and and right. i think that's massive you know yeah i mean and everybody doesn't have that and i didn't have that you have to develop it and sometimes you got to be intentional and pointing it out and that's why the relationship is so key so when you are talking to them they don't feel like it's criticism um, or, you know, you don't like them, whatever, well, however they're perceiving it. And so I, you know, I've just been fortunate enough to just have some really good people around me. Um, and, and realizing that if I wanted to stay in the league, I had to continue to make those incremental gains and changes in my process. And that's why I really love like a guy like Will Greenberg coming in. Um, and he was a blessing because he saw things differently than, than Jason did and had a little bit different skill set than Jason did. Um, and so he helped me like a uh, year, what year was this? Year 15, might've started last year. So year, so year 14 started doing these like primer workouts on uh, Saturday mornings before the game, you know, older players, central nervous system, maybe not firing as well. How can I feel my best on Sundays? And so he introduced something new and obviously I've never done that before. And I'm like, man, I don't want to wear myself out the day before the <laughs> yeah. game. <laughs> and so, but I decided to do it because I trusted Will because he had given me some other nuggets prior 
that I felt were beneficial. And this was no different. And so I was more really to, to, to jump on board um, with something like this. And it helped out. And he got some other older guys to do it as well. Some guys didn't want to do it. You know, that's their choice. But I definitely thought it was beneficial. And so from that relationship and understanding who I was and where I wanted to go and still be able to play well at year 15 and make people stand up and like, man, how's this dude doing this at 36? Yes, I've been gifted to be able to endure football, but I have all these people behind me that you have no clue who they are that have invested in me and, and gave me these little nuggets that have allowed me to continue to play at a high level. Well, and, and you touched on belief there, and that's something I, I talk a lot about with a couple of my buddies. Um, one of them worked with the Lakers a couple years ago, and uh, he was talking to me a lot of just about how if, if, if someone doesn't believe something's going to work, that that will affect the outcome of that thing, even if it's a good <laughs> yeah. thing, you know, right? Right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 if it feels good and you think it works, it works, right? It don't even have to work. <laughs> I was just actually just talking to Will the other day, and I was like, uh, you know, what are the studies out there on, like, CBD? You know, obviously, I've never smoked or anything like that, and I've done some stuff, but I just, I've taken some CBD, but I don't feel good about it, so I was just trying to figure out if it's, like, a new product or something. Like, so honestly, it's really kind of up in the air. It's 50-50, but if it makes you feel good, do it. If it doesn't, don't do it. Um, even though it, you, it may be working on a molecular level, but if it makes you feel a certain type of way, don't do it because at the end of the day, it's about how you feel after. And yeah. so, um, yeah, that belief is, 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 in, is everything. Um, even the way you approach something, the way you go into it, how much energy you're gonna give, you know, if a coach or you you don't like the game plan that week, oh, your mind's <laughs> uh, this ain't gonna work. And you right, you know what? It ain't gonna work for you. You're not because you're you're not all into it. You don't have all your heart there, and so just naturally your body's not gonna go 100 percent because you're like, why am I doing something that I know is not gonna work? Yeah, yeah, and your perception of the environment, you know, like if to me, anyways, I could tell. Like, so I worked with the with the Nets last summer in Vegas, and. Uh, these I roll in there. These dudes are fresh out of college. Like they just got to the nets. I just got into Vegas. We don't know each right. other. We're in a yeah. hotel hallway. Like I'm telling them to do stuff, you know, and, <laughs> and they're, they're like, fuck is this dude? You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It, it, and I really, I think that was the first time. And then the military helped out a ton too, because these dudes just get, they just have hard lives in a lot of ways and, and they're yeah. not treated particularly well by their superiors. And, and just the power of an environment just changes everything. And it, it ties right into what we were talking about with relationships. But I mean, if, if you can get them to not perceive a threat about you, yeah, what your, your impact, no matter how much you, or how little, you know, your impact becomes that much greater, you know? Yeah, it does. And I think uh, just kind of talking about Chris Gores, when I first met him, he's even grown so much as a trainer. Um, and I'm pretty sure you've learned how to do some of this stuff too. Cause sometimes when you talk to somebody, you can come off as like, this is the best. You know what I mean? You're trying, <laughs> yeah. to, oh, you're yeah. trying to prove yourself while you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, but you're trying to come off like this, yeah, I'm a great trainer. This is the best. And so you need to listen. You try, you got to find the balance between giving somebody something and then making it seem like, man, this dude is conceited, man. Why do you think everything he does is the greatest, right? And so um, as, you, as, you, as you mentioned, being able to find that ability to find the balance to where you get your point across, but it's not felt as like, man, what is he doing? Like a big ego trip wrong. or something. Yeah. Right, they yeah. receive it better. And so, um, and that's hard, you know, cause you're trying to get on, you're trying to prove it. So you gotta have some level of confidence cause you're dealing with alpha males, but at the same time, you don't want to present it in a certain way to where they like, man, get this dude out of here. He, yeah. he may know what he's 
talking about, but I don't like you. <laughs> you know? so, so actually, I'm curious then, let's like, let's say you get in front of like Chris for the first time or like, you, you know, you, you get into the bills or a new team or something like that. And if, if someone's trying to teach you a skill, do you find, and again, I, I think differently, like I'm very like, I like to be cued and coached and I like to, right. I like to nerd out with the nitty gritty on like, even like a linear sprint, for example, like I could yep. analyze my rep no matter how slow it is. <laughs> I can, yeah, 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 I yeah, can yeah. analyze it to death and look and tweak it and fine tune it. And I know, I know a lot of athletes probably don't w want to deal with all that. So like, how do you kind of, yeah. like, do you find to be someone that you'd rather let me sit back and let you figure it out and self-organize? And like, how does that work for like high-end athletes? Yeah. I think, again, you have to identify who you're working with. Um, yeah. And I actually like, in the beginning stages of when I'm doing something, I do like to break it down. Um, you know, I'm a math guy. I'm real practical and, and functional. How do things work? Give me the why behind it. Why do I need to be moving like this? I, I, you know, I actually want to know. I just don't want you to tell me something where some guys, hey, just tell me how to do it. And then I'll, I'm a great athlete. I'll figure it out. And <laughs> I'll then figure it out, yeah. Throwing your, your input, you know, if you see me doing something that's, way off right but i like to know the integral parts of it uh just to understand um how to self-correct because sometimes you may not be there with me right and so you give me all these coaching points and so now when i'm at home and i'm doing a drill maybe in the mirror or i decide to film it i can look at it and say oh okay my, i'm not I'm, I'm leaning i'm not leaning enough uh you know my feet are not underneath me or whatever, whatever the cue may be and i can almost self-correct and then also for me, I'm always about passing stuff on. And so you may give me a nugget that may help my son out because I'm coaching him and you gave me a certain cue and I didn't know how to explain it myself, but because you, you was coaching me, I'm just saying, oh, let me use this cue. This may sound a little bit better to him. Um, and, but I think that comes with maturity. I think I was much different when I was younger. Um, and so as I've grown, I've learned to just give me, I want it all, give it to me and then if it's too much, I'll, hey, I got it. You know, I'll, I'll say something or say something after the workout's over um, or come and ask you more if I wanted more if we're in a group setting um, just to figure out uh, how I can be more dynamic and how can they be more impactful with whatever workout or drill that we may have been doing during that session. So then, but then you have other guys, like, and I know this from, from working with them, like, I'm going to be like, hey, we're going to run a 10-yard sprint here. And that's all I'm going to say. They're going to do it maybe four reps in, they're going to be like, how'd that look? And I'll say, just change right. one thing. And that's yep. all they want to hear. Yeah. yeah, that's all, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just wait for them to ask you. They'll ask you, you know, but hey, sometimes I, I like to hear it every rep because I want to, I want to get incrementally better every time I, I'm doing something because I understand I'm not that gifted. <laughs> yeah. I just know I understand. And so I need, I need those little incremental steps in being able to make a play outside the numbers versus some dudes, they run a, a force, Four, they don't, they don't need it, you yeah. know, but I yeah. know if I'm not functionally in control of my body, I'm going to run a four, seven versus a four, five. Yeah. And, and that's, so, that's a great point. Cause I think some of these dudes, like, especially those more top end guys, I think if you get them thinking about it, it just fucks everything up. It messes them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it messes yeah. them up. It's like, man, no, just, just leave him. He got, he good the way he is. Just leave him. <laughs> yeah. Give him maybe a little bit, but don't, don't, other than that, just say good job, man. That looked nice. That looked real good. You got this. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, just, just a little, little clap. <laughs> a little clap. Yeah, man, you working. So yeah, you, I mean, and you have to feel that out as a coach. I think that comes with maturity as well. Cause a lot of times you feel like you have all this information and wealth of knowledge and you just want to give it to people, but you also have to develop uh, a wisdom uh, meter as far as when to give that out and who you're giving it out to. Cause 
like we like we've been talking about the last five minutes. Some guys are more receptive. Some guys can hold it. Some guys can't. And you have to be the judge of that. And so, you know, that's why, you know, you got to work with guys and, and be very uh, aware of who they are, how they interact, and how they receive information, whether it's with their friends and, how, and teammates, how they're interacting, how they're interacting with you, and then kind of change your, your um, I don't know, output plan based on those, those keys that you've kind of identified over the last, you know, two or three weeks or sessions you've been working with a guy. Yeah. And, and it's funny too. Like I think about that a lot. We're talking about like guys that might be less receptive, less willing to trust someone, especially initially and stuff like that. I used yeah. to kind of take that like either personally or just think, man, that guy's kind of a jerk or whatever. But now I don't yeah. think that so much. It's just, they're wired yeah. a little different, man. That's all. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And you don't know people's backstories either when you first walk into them yeah, right you exactly just, you just see a guy walking oh that's a great athlete player but you don't know that you know maybe his his dad left when he was 12 uh, you know maybe a coach uh decided hey i'm gonna give you a scholarship and then took it away from him you know you just don't know what people had to endure maybe somebody robbed maybe grew up in gangs and people were robbing him all the time <laughs> you just don't know how people came up and so that's why i've try to do this too, because you always, there's always a, a, uh, I, an idea of a person before you even meet them, right? Especially higher end guys that, you know, media's always out there. They, they've painted a picture about that person. And there's been several times where like, I don't like a guy before I meet him, but once you start talking to him and getting to know him, you understand why he is the way he is and that he's been misunderstood a lot of times. And you really get to understand the person and not the, the painting of what somebody else interpreted, right, about him. And so that is very key not to have those type of prejudging. Even if your first encounter doesn't go quite right, there may be something that's kind of underlining. And it's, it's not you. It's more just of his story and how he interacts with people. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier, like, like real early on, you kind of, you know, want to help team. You, know, you have, I'm sure, and I know you have, help teammates that might be going down a bad path, not – not necessarily maybe from like a personal standpoint, but like training, right, yeah, like yeah. fringe guys yeah. that fringe guys that could be doing, have a story like you and they, and they, they yeah. squander it. And, um, and I know like, you know, I talked to Jason still a ton and, you know, I stopped by the, the Bills facility last year and I, 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 you know, just knowing you, I know that you had a huge impact on guys there. Uh, kind of like now that you're getting out of the league, is there anything you're hoping to do with that to kind of maybe help guys in, in that fashion? Yeah, I want to continue to do the same thing. I think um, we, we were talking about this kind of offline earlier, doing the Exos program um, to give me a, 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 a good knowledge base of, you know, just training. Obviously, I have a lot just from doing it over the years and interacting with different people, but just really studying it and understanding so I can work with high school kids. Um, I have uh, three young kids, too. My daughter's 11 in the sports, and both my sons, nine and five are as well, so to be able to pass that along to them as well. And then be a consultant, hopefully, uh, with the Bills. Um, and maybe some the team here in, um, with the Cardinals and here in Phoenix. And just work with guys. Uh, and I'm all about character. And then I think first, and if you can build great character, a better human being, I think everything else around them becomes better. So then they work out and train better and, and they're more receptive because they have a different perspective on life and, and what it means to be a professional, you know, in the football world. Um, and then also, you know, maybe doing something like you're doing. I know you said you're down over at P3 working with combine guys within the NHL and the NBA, but uh, creating a niche, um, maybe working with sufficient sports here. Obviously, Exos is here, but working with guys that are deemed to be lower round, undrafted guys, and even high round 
guys too. It doesn't really matter. But giving them a a um, a special teams um, baseline because a lot of them don't have that because they never had to play it, and then that's what they're going to be expected to do. Being that you know fifth or sixth wide receiver, that uh, you know third or fourth linebacker that's that's dressing. Um, if they want to be able to make a team and then be able to dress, which I think a lot of guys don't know, you know, even though you make the team, yeah. <laughs> they only dress 47 people, 46 people. And so you could still go through a whole season being on the active and not playing unless you create more value for yourself. And oftentimes that's in special teams. And so being able to maybe um, dabble in that and, and help some guys who may not have made a roster or who may not be dressing uh, make that, take that next step in, in their career. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I, I really, I knew, I knew you were about that already, and I think that's, that's great because I, you know, again, just looking at my brief experiences in pro, I think some guys just come in underprepared in some form or fashion, and and right. uh, it's it, it really like bothers me to some extent because I think a lot of them could have your stories if they just put a few pieces together, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's and that's why because it's it's not a, a big jump from. Where I could have been and where I'm at now, um, there's just a couple of minor tweaks that can put you on the right path and, and divert you from growing further away from your goal and but versus keeping you on track. And so, and that's all I really try to give guys. But first, I try to build that relationship so they don't feel like I'm trying to tell them something wrong. <laughs> live it so they can see me doing it. And then, you know, being more intentional about giving them little nuggets here and there that can help them. Um, have a uh, impactful career. But now yeah. that I'm transitioned out of the game, hopefully I've built a resume that will get me in the door initially. And then from that, they can see that, okay, lines up. I've talked to people around. Um, he's a great dude and they're more receptive off the bat as well. But, you know, I'm kind of on your side at this point, you know, I'm becoming that coach transitioning. And so understanding what I wanted and needed as a player and trying to use that and implement some of the stuff that we talked about today to make a uh, an impact on young men and, and young ladies' lives that I come in contact with um, from a sports standpoint or just, just in life and how do you navigate a lot of the potholes and adversity that you're going to come up against, uh, just, just being a human being and living life. Yeah, no, I, I love that you, uh, that you even referenced, like, just human first, athlete second. I mean, that, that takes care of so many things because, I mean, we – especially I think a lot of strength and conditioning, we, conditioning coaches, we just start looking at the physiology or – something yeah. like that. And you're like, Hey, we still have, you know, the mental side, we have the social side, we have, right. the, there's just, you know, the, the, the actual tactics of the game, you know, there are just so many things that are going into. It. And if we, if we take that top down approach, the byproduct's going to be a better athlete a lot of times. Right. Yeah. yeah. Most definitely. Definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, no, but uh, Lorenzo, thanks a lot, man. Uh, really do appreciate it. Oh, I do have one more question. This is just a fanboy question. How cool. <laughs> so, cause I'm an, I, I grew up in DC. I lived there since I was like, well, Shit, I lived there and so I moved to Buffalo in 2015. Um, yeah. uh, how was it playing for Gibbs? Did you did you like Gibbs? I enjoyed Coach Gibbs. Yeah. Um, I don't. I know he he coached a long time, coached a lot of Hall of Famers. I, I actually ran into him um, uh, down in Miami at the Super Bowl this year, and I, I and I don't think he knew who I was. And, and I'll, <laughs> give a little, I'll give him a little <laughs> bit of a pass. I'll give him a pass. Obviously, I'm not a Hall of Famer, and, and who am I? I only played with him for two years, but I also was like 300 pounds when I played him. And now I'm walking around 240 looking slim and sexy now. So, <laughs> but I did enjoy playing for Coach Gibbs. He's an old school, hits you in the mouth, Christian. Um, I really love, 
Health, he really helped me um, develop a, uh, I think, a, a great foundation and a, a work ethic and a mind frame that, as this game changed to more of a finesse and space game, allowed me to still be dominant and unique uh, because I could still hit cats in the mouth and then yeah. play the finesse game too. That 05 team, man, still, that Seattle game still haunts me. It was, it was there. It was so close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Hey, before I let you go, anything you want to um, promote for yourself, socials, any projects you're working on, website, whatever? Um, I don't really have a lot of stuff going on right now. I am, uh, you know, in the process of uh, doing some analytical work with the, the stadium and hopefully the NFL network, but I'll be doing like a weekly podcast called The Lowdown. You know, I'm on Twitter at one man gang uh, 97 uh, on Instagram, Lorenzo underscore John. And then most importantly is my foundation, um, the ACES foundation. That's LorenzoAlexander.org. And uh, I'm just trying to impact youth, uh, fill that gap. Um, obviously, a lot of times there's a financial gap. There's a family gap um, that a lot of kids have that are blessed with so many gifts, but they never come to fruition because of those um, roadblocks. And so we just try to break those down with giving them resources, mentoring, a skill set to be able to combat that, be aware of it, but then also combat those those things that they're going to face, uh, you know, especially living in the inner city. And I don't care yeah. what inner city you live in, Oakland, D.C., Buffalo, it's, it's crazy how they're, you know, obviously culturally so different, but also similar when you see the things that plague our community. So just trying to be on the front lines and be impactful and use the platform that I have and, and still have um, and, and just try to catapult some of these kids over that canyon that they see in front of them and get them to the other side so that they can replicate the same thing. And so that's kind of my mission in life. That's my passion outside of uh, obviously being a husband and, and uh, being a dad and, and, and making sure that those, my kids are fruitful. Um, yeah. It's making sure the kids that oftentimes get forgot, forgotten about um, can live their dreams as well. Dude, that's awesome. Thank, thank you so much, Lorenzo, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, yep. Yeah, I think, think people are going to get a lot out of this, so, so really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you, brother. Anytime.